Hey, thank you so much for gathering with us wherever you are and whomever you are with. You know, in this admittedly different season, as we meet from house to house in our community groups, this is a great opportunity for us to get to know God as Emmanuel, He who is with us, who, who juxtaposes His identity based on where we are. No matter the address, no matter those who are around us, God declares He is with us. You know, in a season of life that my wife and I traverse, when we were becoming lead pastors here at Life Church, I was also going off staff and working at a public school. Uh, I had another pastor speaking in my life. He said, Christoph, I think this is going to be a really good season for you and a good season for the church. I was flabbergasted because I didn't know what I was doing. We were getting into so many things that we had no idea how it was going to turn out. And of course, Pastor Mark from Portland, Manor House Church, who's on our advisory team, wasn't speaking to something being good as if it was going to be enjoyable. He was speaking to the good that it would do, like Romans 8, 28. For God works all things for good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purposes. It's about being fruitful. I'm not suggesting that community groups or the lack of the corporate gathering and the changes and the shifts that we've done in our lives are in any way, shape, or form always enjoyable, but I will suggest that they are meant to be fruitful. So lean into community groups. If you're here and you're finding and forming a community group is is being difficult, uh, please reach out to us, info at lifechurchvirginia.com. We'll do everything we can to get you planted. And again, as you're hearing me say this, we have an election here in the United States. We're grateful for the opportunity, blessed to be in this great nation. And I would just encourage you to remember your two senses of citizenship. We should all vote as citizens of America. We should also all choose to love one another as citizens of heaven. And not just love of affection or of kind, uh, not an emotional love, but the love that Jesus speaks to more than any other love in the Gospels, and that's the agape love. The love of action and choice and serving and, and giving of mercy. So as we lean into this election season, let us, yes, vote because we're citizens of America, but let us also love one another because we're citizens of heaven. All right, let's get into our uh, scriptures that we've been reading. Uh, We're going to continue this prayer meditation practice, so I'll speak to that at the end. But Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19, the words of Jesus, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you. Follow me and I will make you. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again to gather in this way. And we just invite your Holy Spirit Father, we pray for our country. We pray for our world and this pandemic. We pray for the upcoming election and ask for your help in, yes, the electing of our leader, but also in how we serve and treat one another. 
And as we give you these moments, just mold us and shape us. Make us more into your image. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to speak from the last three statements of the six statements that we pulled from David's prayer and meditation at Ziklag. And the last three being prayer only uses a manufactured space. Prayer requires both an ask and a listen. And prayer insists on action. But I want to briefly revisit the last statement from last week, that prayer necessitates a personal fastening to God. That statement is crafted from 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, which I'll remind us today. David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Another version would say David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Our understanding of strengthen and encourage is different than the scripture's understanding. Our understanding of to be strengthened means to do work, get to the gym, lift weights, go on a run, do all of the things to make yourself better, strengthen yourself. The idea and understanding we have of encourage is that we would have people speaking into our lives that would edify us, build us up, speak to who we are and what we can do that would help us be better, help us to feel better. Those would be our understandings of strengthening ourselves or encouraging ourselves. Translations and common era languages often fail the depth of scriptures, not because things get lost in the rendering or the processing, but due to the different mode of communication as well. We, in this day and age, use words and text. We use the scientific and the particulars. But in the scriptures, it's much more a language of picture and illustration, song, dance, and heart. This is why Jesus speaks so often in parables and telling of stories. He doesn't speak didactically in these scientific terms using equations and forms and variables. He speaks about lives and circumstances, and he paints these pictures. And so when the scripture details that David encouraged himself or strengthened himself in the Lord, we often run to our own ideas, our own understandings of what it means to strengthen ourselves or encourage ourselves and allow ourselves to be made better because we're putting work in or we're waiting for someone to edify us or build us up. But the original language there is that David act. He fastened. That word means to fasten oneself to. To be strong through one's attachment and grabbing hold of something or someone else. There was a roller coaster some years called Drakenfire at Bush Gardens. And you know that harness would come down, it would go click, 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 and it would settle on your chest, and you knew you were gonna be safe. I remember one day I got on Drakenfire, and it was one of the first roller coasters that had, uh, you know, screw this and twipsy, twerpsy, topsy these things. And it actually didn't last very long because it gave people whiplash. It was a lot of fun for a high school student. But I remember one day being there with Ben Krakauer, and he got into his harness, and I got into mine and went click, 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 and it stopped way away from my chest. And I was sitting there like this and realizing, oh, dear God. I'm going to die. And as it clicked up, I started screaming my head off. I was freaking out because I knew, although that harness was down, I wasn't fastened in. And it came to the point where the person was waving and I was screaming, help me, help me. And they just waved and thought I was gonna have a grand old time. 
All through the turns, Ben was helping to hold me in, and I was holding the harness as much as I could, and I got through it. Obviously, I'm here today because I was relying on fastening to that which was strong, that which was stable. And so when we have the opportunity, understand today, it's not about the work that we do. We need to make sure that we are fastened to that which is stable, that which is strong in the presence of God, the firm foundation of Jesus Christ. So this week, these final three statements. Last week, again, we worked through verse six I just read. This week, we're going to work through verses seven and nine. And if you're taking notes, the title of our conversation is the hands-on, two-way street, industrious parts of prayer. Let me read verse seven. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Prayer uses only a manufactured space. I used a dangerous word there, only. Prayer uses only a manufactured space. I I did it on purpose because I think it's appropriate. Only is in a category of words that forces a narrowing of reality, along with words like never and always. I always do this and you never do that. You always do this and I never do that. All people should use such words judiciously and thoughtfully, especially spouses, come on somebody, parents, those in authority. Be careful how you word, use words like only, always, and never. But when we speak to prayer only using a manufactured space, we see David calling for the ephod, making a different space in the midst of where he is. We see earlier in the scriptures, Moses going into the presence of God, a manufactured space, a tabernacle, a specific tent for the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. We see this throughout the scriptures. We see it even in the early church as the disciples would go to the synagogue at the times of prayer. Jesus would slip away to a wilderness place for times of prayer. As Jesus is in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane with the disciples, we we see the picture of this being worked out because the disciples are over here, but Jesus goes over there to pray. Prayer uses only a manufactured space. Sometimes that manufactured space is 40 days of fasting. Other times, uh, that manufactured space is removing yourself from social media for an extended period of time so you can develop the ability to once again hear your own self think. Sometimes, that manufactured space is nothing more than a deep breath or maybe a slow blink. Have you ever been there in a conversation with someone in a space and a time or even just a moment where everything is swirling around about you and you just give it one of these? Prayer only uses a manufactured space. I had a roommate, Brandon Polk, and we shared a room together in this apartment. And I took a shower and I was coming back into the bedroom and I opened up my closet where my clothes were and I found Brandon huddled in a ball praying in my closet. It was my clothing closet, but it was his prayer closet. It scared me. I screamed. He screamed. It was a whole screaming fest. I'm not suggesting that your manufactured space for prayer is an actual closet. If it is, that's awesome. But maybe it doesn't have to be that. Maybe it is just a blink or a deep breath. But listen to my voice. 
prayer uses only a manufactured space. Verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. Prayer requires both an ask and a listen. Prayer requires both an ask and a listen. Now, if you're anything like me, you read a scripture like that in verse 8 that, that David prays and God immediately answers him. I just want to remind us that David had fashioned a character as he was a shepherd, as he was in the battlefield of consistently asking and listening, asking and listening. So we're meeting David down the road of maturation where he now understands what it means to pray in terms of asking and listening. If we are where I am or maybe where you are and just beginning the journey of prayer, there might be a greater passage of time for you to hear God's voice between the asking and the actual hearing. And let me just say this. Prayer is not just for us. It also always does something to us. So the passage between asking and listening or hearing might be long, but allow the work of God's Spirit to do something in you. Psalm 62 is a wonderful example of that. The psalmist writes, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. He goes on, verses 3, 4, 5. And then he says the same thing or similar to what he had just said. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. And again, the psalmist is telling his soul what to do. Do you know that you can tell your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions what to do? You don't need to follow or run after those things. You can bring those things into captivity, even as Paul exhorts us that we should. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation, my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. You see the passage as he is speaking and listening change from I shall not be greatly shaken to I shall not be shaken at all. If you're always asking but never listening, you're missing out. Alternatively, if you're always listening for God but never asking, you're missing out. Prayer requires both an ask and a listen. Verse 9, as David makes the manufactured space, as David prays, asking, and listening. Verse 9, so David set out. So David set out on the words of God that were given to him in that manufactured space. Anyone else ever have those people who always ask your opinion but never heed your counsel? They always come and, and ask you a question and you give your answer, you, you think through it, you invest time and energy into that. And here I am again doing always and never, never and always. 
I don't know about you, but from time to time, I have those types of interactions. And I'll just be clear with you, be honest with you today, that when people do that continuously, I start to not really want to engage those conversations. Why would I give you my opinion? Why would I spend time thinking and praying and sitting with you and giving my advice or my thoughts if you never pay it any mind? I'm grateful that God is more mature than I am. Do I have anybody with me today? Because such treatment, my desire to pull back, stop offering my thoughts and guidance altogether, this, of course, is not the way of the Christ. He says, follow me and I'll make you. God says, hey, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. I am Emmanuel. No matter where you go, I'm with you. I am available to you. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is wrapping up one of his longest teachings, his, his exposition of the Ten Commandments. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, he says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And as you continue down, Jesus speaks to the golden rule, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. Speaking of activity, a tree and its fruit is in the next passage. You will recognize people by their fruits, what is emanating from their life, what is growing from their existence. He talks about how he will not know those who don't do the things according to his word. Don't live a life of love and mercy. He talks about the importance of building your house on a rock. And one of the greatest teachings that Jesus ever outlays to us, it's buttressed by activity in our lives. Not just that we would hear it, but that we would also obey it. I would suggest our inactivity does not diminish God's impulse to speak to us, but rather our ability to value what he here declines because we are no longer paying that mind that we should. We are no longer investing who we are to what he is saying. I liken it to the white noise of being a parent. I remember the younger days of Asa, Jude, and Zoe when they were babies and toddlers. I just met Rhodes, Schoonmaker, for the first time just a couple of days ago. And when they would hear Tanya's voice, our kids, when they would hear my voice, they would light up all the way across the room. They would light up, they would kind of look for it, and they would brighten their countenance. Nowadays, they hear my voice, and it just goes right through. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Zoe. 17 times I say Jude's name. I call on Alexa for Asa. I text him. I phone call him. I do all kinds of calls that I can, but it just becomes white noise. The fact of the matter is, when we don't listen for and act on the voice of God, there's an atrophy that takes place in who we are with him. This is why in John chapter 10, Jesus, as he's talking about the abundant life, the Zoe life that we often focus on in that passage, Jesus is less concerned about the abundant life and the Zoe life, and he's more concerned with your ability to hear his voice. He talks about those who know him are those who hear his voice. They know the shepherd's voice. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. I'm cognizant too of John chapter 8 where he gives grace to all those who are judging the woman who's caught in the middle of adultery. He gives grace to the woman herself who's caught in the middle of adultery. And he doesn't just leave it in the giving of grace in freedom from the moment, but 
those people, those religious rulers of the day, walk away with the knowledge of activity, of engaging life differently. And he looks at the woman who's caught in the midst of adultery and he says, go and sin no more. Because a life of following Jesus begs for activity. And so prayer insists on action. When we hear God's voice, that we would respond with obedience to what he's investing in us. Our imagine moment today. When you listen, imagine you will hear God speak. Imagine that when God speaks, correcting, encouraging, and adjusting, when he's offering those things, find actions associated with the godly counsel And imagine, when you do that, you will always do well. Imagine that praying works. As opportunity today, just like we have the last couple of weeks, I want you to pray. Invest in the practice of prayer and meditation. Especially in the midst of our very loud world, make space. Make space to talk to and listen to God. So make a point at least once this week to make a space to pray just for the sake of praying, not just to pray for this or to pray for that, but to hear the voice of God. And please hear me when I say this. Prayer only uses a manufactured space. Maybe you can fast for a day. Maybe you can put social media away for a few moments. Maybe it's just going to be that deep breath and a blink in a moment when you're having an engaging, maybe even frustrating conversation. But pray and give opportunity for God's voice to be heard in your own life. Let me leave you with this benediction. May we pray like God's exhortation and example mean something to us. May our manufactured space give breath to God's spirit. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better.